This week on the Coach Mac Podcast, we talk with Jim McElwain about how he spent Memorial Day and what he's been up to. Also, good news out of the NBA and the NHL as it looks like they've got good plans to come back here in the next month to month and a half to try and finish up their seasons. Also, there was a unique golfing event that went on Sunday. We talk about the match champions for charity with Tiger Woods, Peyton Manning, and then Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady. And also get into a little bit more. Our guest this week, a CMU legend, Butch Jones, stops by and he has some absolute great stories about his time spent in Mount Pleasant, not just as a head coach, but remember he was here as an assistant in the late 90s to the early 2000s before he came back and took that head coaching job in the late 2000s. So we get into him about that, how he's doing, and much, much more. Thanks so much for stopping by, listening, and or subscribing to the Coach Mac Podcast. We are excited to have you along for the ride. All right, it's episode six. Enjoy. We're back for another week, and Coach, take it in. We've now had the Coach Mac Podcast for an official month. How does that sound? I just, I can't believe they haven't kicked us off yet. <laughs> I, I, uh, so, but uh no, I, uh, this has been good, and, and uh, you know, I, I'm hoping we're up to double figures now in listeners, and uh, th- and that's that'd be a great thing. But uh, you know, this has been this has been fun. It gives us something to look forward to, and and you know what, we're we're actually getting really good guests. Yeah, we are. Uh, our guest this week, obviously, we we've, we've teased it here, but uh, Butch Jones, former Chippewa. And his son currently on the Central Michigan football team playing for you, Coach. We're really excited to have him on later in the show. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, I, uh, you know, trying to kind of reach back a little bit to what a great career he had as as not only a head coach, uh, but also as an assistant, uh, you know, a Michigan native that that played at Ferris. And and, uh, I think this would be really good for the fans, uh, you know, to kind of, rekindle some great memories and some championship runs that, that Butch was able to put together. Yeah, you're not a Central Michigan football fan uh, without remembering what Butch Jones has done for this program and certainly excited to talk to him. Coach, let's talk about this weekend. It was Memorial Day weekend, and uh, we had some pretty nice weather, it seemed like, across the United States. How was your Memorial Day? We did, and, and uh, you know, there was a time I was, uh, you know, I was able to actually – get up and, and my wife and I and go visit my, uh, mom and dad's graves up in, uh, um, uh, you know, their gravesite. And of course my dad was in, uh, World War II and, and just to go through and see all the, the, the flags and the, you know, the, the gold stars, the, the things that, um, you know, really make you sit back and think about, all the great things that people did in their lives to allow us to be who we are. And, uh, as always, it was good, uh, seeing friends, uh, seeing a little bit of activity and, and, uh, I know all of us are going through, you know, strange times. And yet it was really that chance to kind of reflect in, uh, and really give thanks for all those that, that gave their lives for our freedom. Yeah, it, it's always a special day, as you mentioned, to look back and kind of remember how we got to where we are today as a country, and certainly we're all going through this pandemic, but the the guys and the girls that have laid their 
lives on the line to help us in wars or just fighting and, and preserving this country over the years, it's really special to, to look back and think about everything that's been accomplished. You know, one of the cool things I think that I did see is, uh, you know, all the professional as well as amateur uh, musicians, um, you know, standing out on their balconies or wherever they were uh, playing um it, it, I just thought that that was fantastic, and uh, really, I thought was was one of those things that that all of us could kind of you know sit back and and take a look at and and say thanks. No doubt about it. It's uh, it was a great day, and uh, again, special thanks to to all the veterans for everything that they have contributed. We've we've got good news too, sports wise, Coach. Uh, the last couple of days, the NHL came out with a with a plan in place to hopefully come back, and the NBA yeah. is planning a potential return as well in July. So things starting to to trickulate here and and form in plan. Yeah, and that one actually hits close to home. Yeah, um, uh, my son-in-law uh, is a coach for the uh, Arizona Coyotes, who uh, were able to get into that 2014 playoff that that they've uh, that they put together um and you know i think i think for just sports fans in general um you know knowing that people are eyeing a comeback uh i think is so important and uh obviously we're pulling for the coyotes i think they have to play the predators in the first round um but uh uh, it'll be interesting to see what cities host and and how they go about that. I think they have a really good plan. Um, you know, talking with my son-in-law as far as you know the safety of the players and the people in the organization. So um, you know, it'll be good, and I think it'll be a model for for a lot of people, a lot of leagues, uh, to take a look at and see how it works. Yeah, and I think it's interesting too because obviously coming back, this isn't going to be exactly the same as what it's been in years past for the NBA and the NHL and if Major League Baseball comes back, but it's got to be exciting for NHL fans and frankly, uh, people like your son-in-law that are involved with the NHL, it's a 24-team playoff and it seems like it's going to be a lot of fun if they can get it going in those two host cities and we're going to have some good games coming up here in about a month and a half or so. You know, I think, and that'll be interesting. And, and you know, it'll be interesting too. I think uh, you brought up that that uh, one of the soccer leagues actually toyed with uh, and kind of put in some crowd noise uh, in some of the empty arena uh, or or empty fields. And and um, you know that that'll be kind of interesting too as people are watching. Yeah, that was earlier this week. It was uh, Dortmund and, and Bayern Munich. And, Coach, they didn't just put in sound. And, you know, soccer games, they've got the fans that have their specific chance, just, just like football or anything like that. So um, it, it sounded like there were fans in the stands, but it also was exhilarating because it was like they were at the game reacting to what was happening on the field. They were pumping the sound up when the home team was – uh, getting closer to goal or having a potential to score or a big play. So it was really unique. It's it's almost like they had a DJ kind of messing with the sound to make it sound realistic. And, and from what I saw, it got a lot of good reviews online, and I thought it was really interesting and, and cool to see as well. I thought it worked for them. So you're right. Like that's That's something that could potentially be good moving forward for all sports. 
Well, I, I, you know, I just wonder if they did something like that for us in, in college football, you know, if they'd get some of the good heckles that they throw at me, uh, see if they can <laughs> throw some of that in just so I feel at home, right? Absolutely. <laughs> you got to get those in. The other thing that happened in terms of college football was right after we got done recording last week, actually, was that the NCAA approved voluntary athletics activities for all athletes on campuses starting June 1. Now, that's this upcoming Monday. Coach, how does that affect you and your team moving forward when you saw that news last week? Well, I, I, I do know this. Uh, you know, uh, our campus is in all campuses. Our administration, our health officials, you know, have really been putting in, you know, plans for when, you know, kids come back. And, uh, you know, their safety is our you know, utmost number one concern as we move forward. You know, obviously it's a little bit different for us in the state of Michigan as, uh, you know, we're still waiting on the June 12th, um, you know, to see what the next phase is going to be. And yet, um, you know, as we look forward to it, I think one of the big things is, as as we're doing it, when, when there is, um, you know, limited opening of, of say gyms and workout facilities. I really, really hope that, that, you know, they include the institutions, you know, uh, all of our schools, our state schools, um, you know, weight rooms and, and workout facilities as, as being able to open up because I really think, you know, for the safety uh, of our players, we can control that environment. Uh, we can do it in small groups uh, we we have a plan together um, already for what that might look like uh, for our own team coming back and obviously working with uh, the medical people and, and the people involved on campus as far as what that would do from a safety and what it would look like, you know, from a safety standpoint. Uh, I know Joel Welsh has a great plan put together uh, that he's been working with Brian, our trainer, uh, in coordination with the university and, and uh, you know, I here I think is the positive is, you know, we're looking at a start and, and that's exciting. No question. I was just going to ask you about that. I know certainly we still don't know what college football, if it comes back in the fall is going to look like, but it seems like positive news is starting to come out over these last couple of weeks, specifically last week. It seems like there was some good momentum. Are are you starting to, to feel a little bit better or just get a little bit excited even that, you know, it looks like maybe we, we've got a good chance for this thing to happen in the fall? Uh, no doubt about it. And, uh, and, and you know, we've got, we've got people working, um, you know, not to rush it back, but to do it, um, you know, in ways that make sense, mm -hmm. in, in, in ways, you know, to, to help our student-athletes um, you know, get back going and, and getting to a point where, you know, we can get college football on. I think one of the next interesting things is kind of what it's going to look like as far as start dates. I know some universities have, have already come out and said they're going to start classes early um, and, you know, look at, at finishing finals, you know, during that, uh, you know, Thanksgiving time, you know, that, that they really, they wouldn't come back until, post-January, I think that that travel, you know, back and forth, uh, you know, where we can keep them in kind of a pseudo-controlled environment and have some regulations and things in place for campus, 
I think it's really good the direction we're headed that way as well. Yeah, I think that's the tricky thing, right, is certainly you're worried about the virus right now, but then that potential second wave that everyone seems to be talking about, how do you make sure that you're keeping everybody safe in the here and now and certainly when football season comes in the fall, but then making sure that you still are staying up to protocol so that a spike doesn't happen again within athletics and the United States of this coronavirus coming back. Sure. Um, I, I just, you know, looking forward, everybody's going to be, you know, I think ultimately it's going to be a state to state kind of situation. And, uh, and I even think breaks down further as far as areas within the state, you know, um, that, maybe aren't as infected as some areas, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, one of those deals, I think bringing the players back and, you know, making sure that they're not rushed in, but they're checked, um, you know, and, and go through some, some, some things before, you know, we, we put them in that weight room or whatever it might be. Um, but, but, you know, here's a good thing. We've got, you know, really good people, great leadership, uh, that's going to let us know what's best, and in our case, what's best for the Chippewas. And I think the other good thing is we still have, I, I know we're getting closer, it's August and September is coming close, but you know this month of June, I think we've talked about that before, this this seems like it's going to be a huge month for not only college football, but but all sports and really the country of when we think we can we can get back to normal what does June look like? And hopefully it's just continuation of positive news so we can get back to enjoying things that we were all accustomed to doing. That's right. And yet there's going to, you know, all of us are going to have to alter some of the things that we're maybe used to. Um, and yet that's okay. Um, you know, it's like, it's like the game of football when they come up with a new rule, uh, whether you like it or don't like it, uh, you learn to adapt. And, uh, that's something that, that all of us will do. And I know as a country we'll do, uh, you know, and, and I can't, I can't tell you our, our leadership at, at central Michigan has been fantastic, been out, you know, on the forefront of a lot of it. Uh, Dr. Davies and, and Michael have done a fantastic job of, of I, I, more than anything, um, giving us information and real information. And, and I think that that's a, that's a real credit to those guys. Yeah, because there is a, a lot of misinformation. There's just a lot of opinions out there. Uh, no no problem with that, but uh, everyone's trying to figure this thing out. So it's good that that leadership is coming from Michael Alford and Dr. Davies from the top. Coach, I wanted to get to one more thing before we bring on Butch Jones. Uh, how big of a golfer are you? Did you watch that golf match on Sunday? It, you know, it, it, again, uh, live sporting event, right? Um it it uh, it beat the heck out of the Korean League uh, baseball that I was watching uh, earlier. But uh, no, I, I I think and here's what I was amazed: what those guys did for charity. Wow, I guess more than anything, that environment they were in, that rain, the wind, all the things they were going through. Um, you know, any normal tournament would have been canceled. Uh, to see those guys go out and compete, I thought was great, and uh, and. You know, all the people that contributed uh, to that event, uh, I think it just shows you what what sport can do um, in general. 
yeah, such a short window of time, and they raised $20 million for coronavirus relief. Pretty cool when you bring together uh, four of the top guys in sports, Tiger Woods, Peyton Manning, Phil Mickelson, and Tom Brady, and uh, they put on a show. I think the other thing that, that I've heard kind of going around now after that tournament is is maybe golf will move to this a little bit more. I love that they mic'd up the guys. I, I just thought, one, there was there was some joking, and obviously you might not get as much of that for a real tournament, but then also you had Phil Mickelson and, and Tiger Woods giving great advice, you know, that kind of caddy-to-player advice that, that you and I as a regular golf viewer, if we're watching, we don't get that kind of inside information. I think that's maybe something that golf should look into down the road of, hey, maybe we can mic up some more of the players of the caddies to get some of that inside information that's really unique to the viewer. I, I You know, I think in thinking about it with that format, you know, it brought people to golf that might have not normally watched golf because of the, you know, with Peyton Manning and Tom Brady being involved. I think that that had something to do. But the thing that caught me more than anything was those guys reading the greens mm-hmm. and and the putts and in particular you know one moment when uh, Phil Mickelson was saying now oh, you see how the grass is laying this way yeah <laughs> it, it actually means the ball's going to do this or whatever that was and and I thought man it, a whole new appreciation again for those guys and and being so good at their craft. Yeah, he was going into fine terms. You see how the grass is darker and then lighter here? Uh, Phil, when I go up to chip, I'm just looking at the slope of the green, and that's about it, and I'm hoping it comes somewhere close to the hole. Well, I usually just close my eyes and the ball goes to where it's supposed to go. Usually that works out better, too, for any amateur golfer. No, it certainly was fun, and again, just continuing the positivity sports. We need them, and uh, it, it seems like they're they're slowly making their way back amidst this coronavirus, and certainly, again, good to have some of that normalcy feeling back this last week. No, no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, just looking forward to it. I think you hit it earlier, you know, just bit by bit, uh, you know, giving us some things to look forward to. And uh, yet we need to do everything cautiously and um, that's okay. Um, But as we're, as we're looking forward to it, I think every one of these dates, every one of these milestones, every one of that, that type of thing, it's, it's very important that we, that we get it going. All right. Well, it's now time to bring in our special guest. And I tell you what, Coach McElwain keeps delivering with better and better guests each week. Coach Mack, who do we have this week? Well, this this one's an honor. Uh, this is a guy that, that throughout my coaching career I've looked up to and, and followed his career and, and his success. But more importantly, you know, a former Chippewa head coach and assistant coach and a native Michigander in bringing in Butch Jones. Butch, how you doing today, man? I'm doing good, coach, and appreciate you having me. No, this has been this has been one I think, you know, as we do this, uh, you know, the fans that are listening and and being able to talk, we've had some great former players, uh, we've had some obviously some of our assistants, but I think looking back in the history of of Central Michigan and in Chippewa football, you're obviously a huge, huge piece piece of that with a couple of those championships and the things that you did there, you know, as, as 
as we kind of look back a little bit on that time, you know, I, the thing that stands out to me is your record within the conference. You know, you, you, you owned that conference while you were there. I think it was 20 wins and not too many losses. And, and uh, I'm, I'm just wondering if your time as, a, as an assistant, if that helped you coming back as a head coach to Central. No, no question. You know, we had built, uh, you know, so many great relationships. And then, you know, I was there for eight years as an assistant and then left to, to go to West Virginia. And, you know, obviously going back and, and knowing the place and, you know, have, just like you've spoken to me about, it's it's a unique place. Uh, it's a great place. People are very passionate. And, uh, you know, when I look back, you know, really, it was the entire campus. It was the Mount Pleasant community that everybody embraced each other. And uh, I want to say we led the league in attendance, and our student section was outstanding. And, you know, it's it's a pretty unique deal. That, that time, those players of those teams had a great pride of who they were, what they stood for. And to this day, Coach, we still have a group chat. Uh, keep in touch with most of the guys and and you know obviously you had mentioned it we were 22 and 3 in Mac play but you know then you look at the great victory at Michigan State and some things so it my time as an assistant I think really helped prepare me for that job you know you talk about that great win at Michigan State I think that actually uh, probably had was a big reason that uh Part of my coaching career was at Michigan State because we came with John L. Um, from Louisville to Michigan State. And actually, you came up and visited a little yep. bit uh, when we were there. And, and that was actually the first time I met you is that when you were, I believe, the receiver coach there. Isn't that kind of that pieces back a little bit? It, it, it's amazing. I remember that. And then I remember the uh, Nike Coach of the Year clinics at the Soaring Eagle Casino. Yep. And uh, you guys were throwing a bubble screen off the bunch formation and we sat down and we talked about it. And, you know, I thought when I look back at our relationship, you know, I thought we kind of hit it off right from the get go. No, no doubt about it. And, you know, I just your passion for coaching and and, and you know, for me, having, the, you know, you really as a player at Fair State. Um, you know, and, and then, you know, coming there and coaching all those different positions at times, tell me how that kind of helped your career. Oh, you know, I think just the exposure of, you know, of coaching the different positions, um, I think really helps you. It helps you, as you know, of being a coordinator, um, uh, you know, because still at the end of the day, it comes down to fundamentals and details. And, you know, we always talk about style of play. You know, and it's the details, it's the fundamentals, it's playing hard for four to six seconds. And I always say it's the little things that nobody wants, but uh, adds up to the big things that, you know, everybody wants at the end of the day. And uh, it's doing the little things well. So I think, you know, having the exposure of, you know, coaching different type kids at different positions and just having the broad background offensively, I think it serves you very, very well. You're able to relate, I think, more to more position groups. You know, I'm kind of, you know, obviously, you know, all those years you spent in Mount Pleasant and the friends that you've made, and obviously I've, I'm, I'm the recipient of those great people right now. I mean, what a wonderful community and, and, and people that support the program. But you, you've got 
uh, another little piece right now. And obviously, uh, I'm real happy to have your son on our team as a Chippewa. Tell me how that is as a father now, uh, watching your son, you know, play collegiately. Well, it's been a, a pretty neat deal. And, you know, he was actually born in Mount Pleasant. And uh, when he was made a decision to come, you know, play at Central Michigan and play for you, we were going through all these things and we found all the numerous pictures when he was there and everyone was giving him all kinds of Central Michigan stuff. And his room is kind of decked out with the, with the maroon and gold again. But, you know, that's, it's been a unique experience. And, you know, when you talked about the people, you know, we were fortunate. We had a bye week when you guys had that great victory against Eastern Michigan and, you know, just being able to be there and come in the night before and spend so many uh, hours with, you know, the countless friends from the Bill Lukens and the Barry Waters and the Sean Hogreaves and the Tony Voices that really, you know, when, when you talk about a culture, um, it was really incredible what they did. And then obviously they're always calling Adam and asking him if he needs anything. So he definitely has a great, great support system. And uh, it's been a great experience for him. And during this pandemic, all of his roommates have traveled to Knoxville. And so they needed a place to work out. So just to let you know, they were all working out <laughs> and hanging at our house. <laughs> and they couldn't have been in a better place. I, I really appreciate you. I know that you and your wife t are taking great care of them, so I, I don't have to worry about those guys. I know that. But, uh, you know, I, I, I can remember when he came in, I said, now, Adam, I may be leaning on you for some little ins and outs of Mount Pleasant since you've been here so long and uh, grew up here. But uh, he's a great teammate and going to be a great player for us. And, and I was really excited. Tell me what it was like for you. Obviously, we'll get into what you're doing now in a bit, but what was it like coming back and just sitting there as a fan at that game against Eastern Michigan? A lot different, uh, you know, and you kind of feel the emotions of a father, you know, so it's it's a little bit different, but uh, really coming back and seeing all the people, but also seeing, you know, the, the changes, obviously, with the with the new complex uh, being built in the end zone. Uh, it's been the first time since I've been back where the hotel. So, you know, even staying at the hotel and they made sure that they got us a, a room that overlooked the field and a patio. So uh, it was definitely unique. I wish we had more time because there are so many people to see. Uh, but uh, obviously uh, seeing your barn and the setup that you have was absolutely incredible. <laughs> and uh, also seeing a great victory. And, uh, you know, when we talk about being 22 and three in the Mac, the two of those three losses, two of those came to Eastern Michigan. Gotcha. So to be able to be there and, and watch you guys have a dominant victory was pretty neat. Well, I got to tell you this, uh, you know, you getting treated to that hotel room that, on that balcony that overlooks the stadium. Obviously, I don't have enough wins. I can't even get into that room. So, you know, I think you know what, though, that, that time is coming. And, you know, <laughs> the, the little things, coach, that, you know, maybe we take for granted as, as coaches, you know, like when you have your night meetings and, you know, then you let your players have a couple hours off before you have bed check and snack and all that. And I always would go up to my room and had a routine and, 
the number one thing Adam wanted is he wanted his family there that night after you, you know, during yeah. their time down. And that was my time to be a parent. And that's the first time I ever even experienced anything like that. Yeah, that's, that's great. And hopefully we get you up again uh, many times as, as we kind of move forward from there. But, you know, you were on a bye week and obviously you're at the University of Alabama now. You and I obviously uh, learning kind of the ins and outs a little bit of something uh, that is, you know, such a fantastic program. Tell me how that's been, you know, sitting back and and kind of watching and, and seeing how things work at the University of Alabama. Yeah, it's been an incredible experience. And, you know, somebody said to me about a year ago and when they said it it kind of made sense i had never thought of it that way but they said you know you have a real distinct advantage and i said what's that they said you're at halftime of your career you can sit back and you can watch and observe the best in all of college football and uh it was a unique experience just like i know your experience there coach saban is is a great great individual great football coach but even better person and you know just the total commitment um that surrounds that football program and not just you know in the football building itself but in the community the campus community you know from top to to bottom you know the support that they have but it's really been a great experience and i tell you what we have great kids and, and i've enjoyed that yeah, it's uh, you know it's amazing when you when you look back and, and and you and I both have been involved with some great coaches uh, along the way, and you pick a little bit you know something up, you know from each stop. Um, yeah. Tell me, like you know you, you went through a couple dip. You, you had two coaches, I believe, at, at Central when you were there, and the other thing is you know leaning on a guy like uh, Coach Kramer and Coach Duramity. Yeah. Tell me how that was, you know, being around those guys as well. I tell you what, I have about 50 notebooks filled <laughs> with notes, but I actually worked for three different head coaches at Central Michigan. I worked uh, for Dick Flynn, uh, Mike DeBoard, and Brian Kelly, uh-huh. and then to have the resources of Coach Kramer and obviously Coach Duramity uh, was really, really, uh, you know, I think a great advantage and like you said, you, you take bits and pieces of every coach you work for, and then you kind of, you know, solidify and mold your own philosophy. But uh, I think being a young coach, obviously having the presence of Coach Duramity and obviously Coach Kramer was a huge advantage for me. You know, one of the things when, when uh, you know, we're fortunate enough to get the call to, to come to Central Michigan, um, looking at the history and really – kind of starting with those two guys, um, yeah. you know, that, that kind of pushed it, not only, you know, winning a national title and then really having a big influence on getting into the mid-American conference and becoming a division one school and, and those type of things. Um, you know, that history there is, is really unbelievable, isn't it? Oh, when you when you really look at it, and I want to say just in in all of Division One and wins, I want to say Central Michigan still is in the top twenty five. Right. And you look at the tradition, and you look at all the great players that have come through there. Uh, and again, you know, we had the mentality when we were there that we were by far the best 
college football program in the state of Michigan. It didn't, we didn't take a backseat to anybody. And I'm talking the Michigan States, the university of Michigan's, and that was kind of a mentality that we had and, you know, try to embrace the past, you know, and learn from it. And, uh, you know, I think that's the type of team you have coaches, you know, talking with a lot of these players, they understand the tradition and the history and everything that they represent each and every day. Yeah, I know too. You know, when when you bring in team speakers and and having Coach Kramer address our team and having Coach Duramity address our team in in two separate weeks and really forcing our guys to kind of understand what it is to be at Chippewa and yep. your your teams played like that. Tell tell me a little bit on on philosophically, you know, kind of what you like your teams to look like. Well, you know, that's the great thing of being a head football coach is you get to paint the vision for what you want, you know, from the way you can take the field with the passion and the energy that they play with. And you get a chance to build that and create that. And, you know, we've always taken great pride in, in what we call style of play. And it's something that we've really tried to hit home at Alabama as well. But, you know, it's playing hard from four to six seconds and, playing with a brotherhood and a love and a passion and a pride for what you are and being very, very disciplined and uh, being a very physical and dominating football team. And you talk about, you know, Coach Duramity and Coach Kramer kind of, you know, setting the, the stage for you from a philosophical standpoint. I still remember the story that I believe Coach Duramity was the head coach and they were playing uh, at Toledo and uh, you know you you experience the weather when you get into late November and not one person on the Central Michigan's football team had long sleeves on and uh, that was kind of a mentality that they prided themselves with and when I heard that story no matter uh, in the three different places of being a head coach I've always had that mentality that we weren't going to wear long sleeves. And, you know, we always talk about you wear your opponents out two ways, psychologically and physically. And, you know, when it's two degrees out and uh, you don't have long sleeves on, I think that plays a little bit of a psyche and a mental game. And I know this, you and I didn't have much to worry about when I was at Florida and you were at Tennessee for any of those short <laughs> sleeve games. So, so I think we're well, okay. But uh, for, 45, 50 degrees was a cold game. <laughs> that's right. And that's the one day you want out of the indoor. Yeah, I got you. I, but, uh... I do have to tell you a funny story, though. We were playing uh, when I was at Cincinnati. We were playing UConn for the Big East Championship. And you know what it's like there in November. Yeah. And uh, it was a night game. And obviously, we had the no long sleeve rule. And all the players kept giving me grief about coach are you are you going to not wear a coat and I'm the most miserable person in the cold so I had our equipment manager go and he went to Dick's Sporting Goods and he bought all the hunting adhesive heating tape that you could find and I wrapped my entire body like a mummy and I didn't wear no coat but they didn't know also that what was underneath all those uh layers of clothing you know, uh, my answer is, look, guys, I don't have any eligibility left. So yeah. if you're counting on me to get out there and play, we're in trouble. So, <laughs> but uh, that's a great story. It, you know, I, I know we're kind of we're, we could do this forever. But uh, is there is there kind of a moment 
that stood out, and I know there's a ton of them, um, but is there something that really stood out at your time being a, as an assistant or a head coach kind of at Central Michigan with the Chippewas that really kind of stands out to you as a, as, as a moment uh, that, yeah. that's so special? Well, I don't know if I ever really kind of told you this story, and it's too long to get into the entire depth and complexity of it. But, um, you know, my father passed away. He was a chief of police. He was my hero in, in our hometown of Saugatuck. And it was during my last uh, year uh, at Central Michigan. And he passed away right during training camp. And I wanted to prove a point to our players that, I was going to be there for my family and my dad was my hero, but I wasn't going to miss any practice and I was still going to be there for our players. So I would have practice. He passed away and we brought all of our seniors, uh, took a bus and they went to the funeral. So when we played Michigan State, I wore my father's identification band that he had uh, wow. when he passed away and I had it in my pocket. And it was just a strange feeling the entire game that I knew we were going to win. And even when we chose to go for two and didn't make it, there was a there was no panic. And uh, when we uncovered that onside kick, we hadn't recovered an onside kick in three years in practice. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And we got it. And I still remember when Michigan State called timeout and our kids were in the huddle and I took my my dad's ID band out and I showed everyone and I walk up to Andrew Aguilera, our kicker at the time, and I said, open your hand. And I said, that's my dad's ID band. All you got to do is kick it and that'll take care of the rest. Oh, and, man, that's uh, a great story. So, you know, it's one of those moments in time, Coach, that you always remember. And, you know, that's the great thing about coaching is impacting lives and the great memories that you have along the way. Well, I got to tell you this: you've not only impacted a bunch of players' lives, but you've impacted a town and a university's life in in Central Michigan University. And and uh, and I say this: I'm I'm awful glad not only to count you as a peer, but more than that, a friend. And and uh, man, I really appreciate you coming on with us, Adam. You've been sitting there kind of quiet, you know. And and I got to tell you this, Butch. Here's the one thing about Adam: he's got something that he wants to get out so i'm uh -oh. gonna let him i'm gonna let him you just never know i think it's okay it's not you know a real tough media piece but adam what do you got for him man yeah coach mack you kind of stole my thunder but i don't know if you've seen this onside kick that he's talking about but this is one of the all-time greatest onside kicks like the perfect bounce where it comes and hits like a receiver running in stride down the sideline. That's how CMU recovered that ball. So, I mean, Butch, I just want to kind of go through in your eyes the last moments of that game, what you remember from not getting the two-point conversion, you're down 27-26, yeah. and then going back to that perfectly executed onside kick, and then I know there was the Michigan State penalty that allowed you to kick again. Take us through, for Chippewa fans, the last few moments of that game and what you remember. Well, you know, it was it was a close game the entire game, and then obviously we scored at the end and made a decision to go for two. And uh, we tried to hit Antonio in the corner of the end zone, and, you know, the, the, the ball sailed a little bit on Dan. But when you look back on it, you're so much in the moment. There was no panic. There was no panic, nobody getting down. It was like, okay, let's go. We got the hands team together. We went out. 
and uh, Andrew kicked the ball and the receiver you're talking about who who uh, really may have scored. He covered he recovered it in full stride, had a great bounce. Uh, was Brian Anderson, and then we got the ball and we still only had the ball about on the, the maybe the plus forty plus forty five going in. And so we, we had a couple uh, completion plays. And, you know, the Michigan State penalty w- w- was kind of overrated because they actually had called timeout uh, trying to ice the kicker. So when Andrew hit the ball, the whistle had already blown. He kind of pulled up. So it wasn't, you know, it, it, it the, that kick wasn't anything. But just getting the players over there, and I think the timeout helped us. It settled them down. We talked about that. ID wristband, but we just, everybody believed. And, uh, you know, we, we, we make the kick. And then I was more concerned about our players running on the field and getting a 15 yard penalty because <laughs> there was still time left. And, uh, then we, we kicked a squib kick and it hit one of their players up front and, uh, and, uh, we recovered, but, you know, two summers ago, I was back home in Saugatuck and Kirk cousins, uh, has built a home in that area. So we met up at the high school and uh, he actually worked out with Adam and uh, threw to him. And we probably talked an hour about that football game. And uh, so I wish I could tell you it was great coaching, but like I told you, we hadn't recovered an onside kick in three years and it just, we got the bounce and then our players did a great job of taking care of what they needed to at the end of the game. There was no panic. And I, and I have one follow up uh, before you get out of here, just, the historic win there certainly paralleled with the historic win that Herb had at Michigan State when he went in there and beat a ranked Michigan State team. And up until 2016, that was the last ranked win Central Michigan had had. So I know you had your dad on your mind winning that game, but how much did it mean to you that you kind of paralleled what what a great coach like Herb Duramity had done and gone into East Lansing and also picked up a win there? Well, Obviously, Coach Duramity means a lot to me and uh, our relationship. And, you know, it was more so I was more happy for the players and the fans. And then you hear all the side stories. And like I said, we have a group chat. And Frank Zombo calls me one day and goes, Coach, can I tell you what happened during the week? And I'm like, yes. And so when we had the end zone building, if you remember the graphics in the end zone had the players carrying Coach Duramity off after they beat Michigan State. So the players actually bid on who who would carry me off the field. So (laughs) it was Frank Zombo, Keto Pobla, and uh, and Matt Burning that won the, the deal. And so they started telling me, so I'm, then I get back into the coaching mode and I'm like, you know, in these kids' minds, we went into East Lansing and they knew and they expected that they were going to win the football game. Yeah. And there's nothing like that. You, you know, when your team, you know, believes you're going to do something, it's amazing how they can will it to happen. And, and, um, you know, that comes with great coaching as far as getting them to believe that that's really what it's all about. But, uh, Butch, this was awesome, man. And, and uh, have you checked the schedules next year? Do you have a buy when you come see us? Do you know if that uh, if our if, if our schedules match at all? I have not. Uh, just been trying to take it one day at a time. But when we hang up, I'm going to do that. <laughs> right. So we're well, we're no, going to no try good. to make it happen one way or the other. 
not only are you going to have a great hotel, obviously, to be in, which you well deserved, but you're going to have a seat at the barn, so don't worry about it, all right? And your wife is the best host <laughs> that you could ever have, so yeah. I'm all in. And, and I'll leave you with this. You know, we talked about our relationship and all that, but, Coach, I think the biggest compliment that I can give you is that I picked – you for my son to play for as a head football coach and I think you know when you when you look at from a coaching standpoint you know we know everybody in this profession we know what they stand for and uh you know I was gonna let him pick where he wanted to go to but I was gonna have a say the final say based on who the head coach was and he chose to come play for coach McElwain and I think that's the biggest compliment I can give you no that means a lot even though you got me two years on the Big Ben flood and Big Ben in, which I'll never forget, but that's okay. Yeah, no problem. Let's, you know, those, that'll be for another time. Maybe when you and I are sitting at the barn, we can talk about that. How's that? There you go. All right, buddy. Well, hey, I really appreciate you taking the time. I Believe me, I know how busy you are being in that building there in, uh, in Tuscaloosa. And, and for you to take the time to do this, it means a lot. Thanks a lot, oh. Woodson. And we'll Thank see you down the road, man. Thank you, and fire up chips. All right. Well, we can't thank Butch Jones enough for coming on. A true Chippewa legend, winning a couple of MAC championships. Uh, he was stellar. And, uh, boy, he coached a lot of good players, spent a lot of time in Mount Pleasant, was an assistant from 1998 to 2004. But before he took the head job in 2007, I mean, uh, Coach Mack, he is a tremendous guy and happy to have his son now on your football team as well. Just a, a tremendous family, and Chippewas are, are always going to remember the great things that Butch Jones has done for this program. And, and you know, it was great to have him on. And here's something that is kind of in, interesting is, you know, when you visit with people about, you know, especially with those, those Chippewa ties, um, how much they light up. And it's like, man, I would love to do that because obviously Central Michigan, once you're there and you've been a part of it, it, it really becomes part of your fabric. And, you know, he was so excited to come on and, and, and talk about the chips, man. And, and uh, that's really cool to see. Yeah, no, and, and he mentioned it in the interview, Coach. He came back, watched that game against Eastern. Uh, myself, Don at the time, and, and Brock were lucky enough to have him. He willingly came up to the booth and came on the, the air with us and did an interview. I mean, he's always just so courteous with his time when he comes back to CMU or when he's willing to, to do stuff with CMU. So you, you really can just tell that he cares about this university and, and this community up here in Mount Pleasant. No doubt about it, and yet. I, I think that's something that you learn when, when you are a Chippewa is, you know, it's really about what a great place it is and gives you a little chance to give back as well. You know, I love to divulge back in these old games, but have you ever seen that onside kick we're talking about between CMU and Michigan state in 2009? Um, you know what? I was trying to win a national championship <laughs> in 2009 at Alabama. And I think that was our first one. So to be honest with you, no, <laughs> You were a little busy, weren't you? That's exactly right. Well, you may have to have a little homework assignment. I know you're still a very busy guy, but uh, just just go take a peek at the highlight of how perfect 
this onside kick was. I mean, bounced right up into Brian Anderson's hand like it was a like it was a fly route down the sideline. And and Butch was right, man. If if there wasn't the rule of not being able to advance an onside kick, he he was heading toward the end zone. It was amazing. Well, I do know the one thing he said that's the truth. Uh, you know, you work those onside kicks. You know, depending on whatever day that is, Thursday, Friday, and whatever your work schedule is, and you know, I. I'm with him. I think I think in 25 years, 35 years of, of practicing onside kicks, I don't think we've ever gotten one in a practice. <laughs> so for it to happen in a game, uh, that's a heck of a deal. You know why that is? As as the great Brock Gutierrez always likes to say, either on the coach's show or during the broadcasts, it's an oblong ball. You never know which way it's going to bounce. You just never know, and that that's the that's the beauty of the game. That's right. It makes it fun. Hey, Coach, you were talking about your time at Alabama when you won a couple of national championships. Uh, that that brings us into our guest next week. From what I remember, you had a you had a pretty good quarterback on that team, didn't you? You know, we did, and, and I'm hoping in his busy schedule uh, that that he's able to take the time to come on with us. But uh, I think this will be great for the listeners. I think it's an opportunity. Uh, one of the former players to not only kind of let people know how messed up I am as a coach, right? But uh, uh, a guy that I spent a ton of time with and got nothing but great respect and, and is having a heck of a career now in the media. And, uh, you know, I think this will be something that, that'll be exciting for everybody, you know, looking to college football. And, and you know what? Uh, I can't wait. This is going to be fun. Of course, we're talking about the great Greg McElroy, and you can catch his show every morning on SiriusXM Channel 84. That's the ESPNU channel. And, Coach, you're, you, you've you been on there a couple of times, so you figured, hey, he needs to return the favor and come on this well-listened and well-documented podcast that everyone's starting to learn about. Yeah, and you know what? He, I, <laughs> I couldn't believe how excited he was. You know, this is going to be his opportunity. Now I get asked a question. That's right. You so, put him through the ringer now. That's exactly right. But no, we're uh, we're excited. I think I think that that makes this kind of fun what we're doing and and uh, give a little perspective uh, moving forward. In fact, I think he's probably going to allude in the story that uh, when he was with the with the Jets uh, right out of college, that I think his roommate was a chip. So we'll get into some of that next week. Well, we're looking forward to it. The guests continue to be uh, such a fun part of this show. Butch Jones was great this week. And Greg McElroy, the former Alabama quarterback and uh, learning and playing under Jim McElwain at the time, winning national championships, we're going to have him on next week. Can't wait for it, Coach. Thank you again, as always, for coming on. And we'll talk to you again next week. All right. You enjoy and stay safe and uh, looking forward to getting all this back to normal.